Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are saying as long as there is breath in our bodies, we will not forget you. If we don't deal with this issue now, the problem will get bigger. The lack of empathy. These women need to get over themselves. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I am assuming that the army of... Workers who make our city presentable to us every morning of the year were out in force this morning, but they had an awful hard morning's work. Normally, by the time I'm driving in, hitting the city at seven bells maybe, you wouldn't see so much as a tin can or or a chip wrapper. But when I was driving in this morning along Grand Parade, down there past the new open air toilet, sorry, the uh, tree, the robot tree and then down to Dawn Square it it looked as if there'd been a riot it really did, it was awful particularly the stone seat outside Queen's Hall Castle I won't tell you what was down next to that although, God help the poor bugger to mop it up, it was filthy, I'm just hoping against hope and I know and I trust them because they're brilliant that the, the council workers had the place looking absolutely tickety-boo by the time you went to open your shop or come into town to work at normal human being times. But it was awful. The dirt was awful last night. Now, look, it was after a big day, after a day of a big match and all of that. You kind of wonder, though. I mean, from where that particular place is in Don Square, there was a, a, a bin only five or ten metres away. But you've heard me going on about litter and taking your litter home before, so what's the point? Don't, no one listens to me about it anyway, so... Here's the thing. As for yesterday, uh, the, so the match was over at halftime, and that was the sad part. It was over at halftime. They were out of sight at halftime, and it was really damage limitation for Cork in the second half. But Limerick, or, I'm going to bring Pat Mulcahy, Patrick Mulcahy in from C103. Patrick, good morning to you. We're all a bit saddened down the dumps this morning, but to be quite honest with you, it looked at some stage yesterday as if Limerick had 20 men on the pitch. They were just... Aren't they the best hurling team we've seen in Ireland for 10, 20 years or close to it anyway? Good morning. 
Good morning, PJ. Yeah, um, it, it does feel to be down as dumps, but you know, I don't think I don't think we can be too down. I think you're right. I think this is one of the best teams we've seen um, in, since that Kilkenny team in, in the mid noughties yes. under Brian Cody. You know, just their physicality, their presence, the way they use the ball, the way they bring themselves around their community in Limerick. They're just real role models um, for the people of Limerick. And that led Keen. What a hurler! Keen Lynch, yeah. he, a fella turned to me yesterday halfway through the game and he said, this guy is a mix of Man United's Alex, Alex Ferguson in the noughties, a bit of Lionel Messi from Barcelona and a fella from Limerick called Keen Lynch. He said, it's, it's incredible, absolutely incredible the way, the way he does it. He turned around and got five points in the second half. He's just, he's just one of a generation, yeah, really. Yeah. Now, like, they've achieved something very special and fair play to them and they, they, they hurled us off the pitch yesterday. They really, really they did. They hurled, they've hurled everybody off the pitch That's right. for the last two years. It, it, like, nobody has got in with an arse's roar of them for the last two years, whether it is Tipperary, Waterford. You see, you saw what they done to Tipperary in the Munster final. They were down 10 points at halftime and came back one by six. Yeah. You saw what they done to Waterford in the semi-final. They pulverised them and they pulverised Cork yesterday, you know, and just... It just, it somewhat, I think that it, was it, the it, hardest part of it, Patrick, and maybe we were a bit naive. I, I, my, I was talking to friends over the weekend and I kind of I think everybody said Limerick were probably going to win I was just hoping that they wouldn't hammer us and unfortunately they did yeah and that was the, that was that's the, probably the disappointing aspect of it that we just couldn't keep in touch with them the whole way after the first quarter you just thought with five points you say if we could hold that to the water break we'd be doing okay or to half time I should say we'd be doing okay but what was it 318 to 111 at half time we were just Really sucked over the water at that stage, and coming out in the second half, the heads were just weren't weren't not in it, but they just weren't raised. They weren't heads up. Heads were locked down and coming out for the second half, and you yeah. just knew we were in trouble. It, it was so hard for the first half. Yeah. The second half was no, even harder. No, look, when you, I suppose when you look at it too, this team is it all but four of them are under twenty five. Correct, absolutely, um, Mark. Um, um, Seamus Harney and Patrick Hogan would be two of the, two of the players that would have played in 2013. Owen Cadigan would have played in the 2010 All-Ireland Football Final when they, when they won the All-Ireland against Down. So, you know, all is not lost. At the start of the year, many people had wrote off this Cork team saying this Cork team was going nowhere. We'd be going to nowhere near the All-Ireland Final. So, if you said we'd be in an All-Ireland Final at the end of the year, I think many people would have bitten your hand off and to throw that in as well. Yeah. We've gone away and won a minor All-Ireland and an under-20 All-Ireland. I was just going to get to that. Like the, 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 the Cork hurling is in a much better state than it was five years ago. And ten years ago, to go with us. You know, we're in a, a super state with all the work that the county board have done with Rebel Oak, with the structures that they've put in, the development squads, all these young players were dealing with between 120 and 150 young players from under 14 all the way up to under 17. You know, so we've got some great structures in place, and the t- two results last week show that. Yeah. We've got great young players are coming through through the team. So the, the future is bright. Yeah. We can't be too despondent. Well, no, I mean, I was thinking of the old song this morning, and I coming in, two out of three ain't bad. Like the under 20s and the minors, out yeah. of the three we were in, like, we should not forget that. That's two All Ireland titles in a week out of three. And okay, you get, you get beaten on the big stage, but I, I would have every confidence. That let that team mature a little bit, and there'll be a much different, a much different um, opportunity for them the next time they meet Limerick. 
Absolutely. Like, just go, going through the side, say, Niall O'Leary, 23, Robert Downey, 23, Sean O'Donnell, 24, Tim O'Mahony, 23, Mark Cohen, 25, Fitzgibbon, 25, Luke Mead, 26, Jack O'Connor, 22. You know what I mean? They, there's some of your starting sides straight away. 12 of these guys, or 13 of these guys never played at the start of the they never played in an All-Ireland hurling final. Yeah, so yeah. It, it was all a new experience. The potential, Limerick, the, the potential yeah, is, Limerick, is magnificent. Absolutely, absolutely. And Limerick have been there three of the last four years. You That's know what, you're probably robbed in 2019 not to be doing a four in a row. That's right. That's right. And look, the other thing about yesterday, and it was great to see fans back in Croke Park in decent mm. numbers. Not a few hundred, like, in decent numbers. And the, the very good nature. And you know what I saw, Patrick, and I love this about what I, I assume it covers the football as well. You'd know more than me. I think it's specific to hurling, though, that you can have. Counties that are bitter rivals, chatting and singing and laughing together in the stands yeah. before, yeah. during and after the match. That is the Absolutely. glory of, I think, hurling. But I think, as well, I think from a Cork perspective, PJ, I think we have to sit back and just say, this team is just one of a generation. They're making history in front of us and we don't realise it. And I think we have to embrace that. Yes. And I, I, I agree with you. You know, there, there is plenty of banter. We saw it throughout the week up in Mitchelstown, Charleville, all in the border towns uh, between Cork and Limerick. But, you know, you just have to take your hat off to this team. But we can't lose faith. We can't be too despondent. We're mm. after having a decent week with the minors in the 20s. These guys just need to pick themselves up, dust themselves back down. They've got club championships coming up for the next two months or so yeah. back here in Cork and look we're going to have to go back and celebrate and support them once again when the leagues come back in February next year Pat lastly and briefly will Hoggy hold on for another year? Look he is the greatest player that has never won an All-Ireland medal and no one wants to see Hoggy retire without having an All-Ireland medal Isn't he, what is he 33 or 4 now? 34 PJ but yeah. uh, I don't think that's going to stop him I think, he, I think there's not another year in him I think he, have to, he has to go for one more Give it one more rattle. Yeah, yeah. No, now listen. It was it was just a desperately disappointing result, but the occasion and having having hurling back at that level. Yeah, look, PJ, I, look. I've been at games throughout for the last eighteen months where atmosphere was at null and void. Yeah. Um, but over the past couple of months, people are starting to you know come back in in slower numbers. But yesterday, the atmosphere when when the parade started. I've never felt anything like it. And I've yeah. been to a good few All-Ireland finals over the last 10 years. But yesterday was just unbelievable. And credits both to Cork and Limerick fans um, that turned up in their droves yesterday. Cork numbers, fans-wise, yesterday before the match, they were there in their thousands mm. on O'Connell Street and around. It was fantastic to see. And look, hopefully in coming years, Lee McCarthy will be coming back to the, the banks of the league. Yeah, it, 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 it can happen yet, you know, Patrick. Thanks very much. Good to talk to you. That's Patrick Mulcahy, Gaelic Games commentator with uh, C103. It was a sad old day in terms of the result, but it was a great day and a great weekend for sport in general. And we should think that the under-20s did a super job and the minors did a super job. So we don't have a whole pile to be sad about other than the fact that Liam isn't... Liam isn't coming home. 1850 John says, remember I texted you last week talking about getting carried away. Cork haven't won anything. It'll all end in tears. I well, I wouldn't be gloating, John, if I were you. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I do remember your text. It wasn't very nice. Uh, but you have to keep some hope up. But look, there'll be another day. Big loyal, as they say. Uh, someone said, I just want to compliment the Lord Mayor. 
Yeah, did, did the Lord Mayor take a, a photograph or did someone take a photograph of the Lord Mayor last night at the train station? He he tweeted it this morning. Um, he he mixed with all the crowd. He got involved in such fun and such banter with his opposite number in Limerick during the week when we were talking to him. And they went out the other day and they did a, a video on, on the on the border. It was great. Absolutely great. 1850-715-996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Here's some of the winners from the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Best Bar. Murphy's Rock Bar. Best Salon. Image Beauty Salon. Best Hairdresser. Fusion. Best Gym. District Health and Leisure. Best Workplace. Cope. Best Hotel. Photo Island. Best Burger. Son of a Bun. The Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths, and more with a 12 month guarantee backed by Board Gosh Energy. Only on Cork's 96 FM, the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96 FM. And look, you can express your worries, and a lot of people did express their worries about huge crowds around the park yesterday, Croke Park and in Dublin and big crowds gathering together here in town. I think down the Marina Market they had a, a big screen with a match on and a huge crowd down there. Yes, they were in the open air, but look with the transmissibility of Delta and all that, people were concerned about it. But I think just for the morning that's in it, we let that slide for a bit. Will we be will we be counting our our cases in much increased numbers in a, in a couple of weeks' time? I don't know is the answer to that. But let's let it go for this morning. Uh, except one comment, uh, Moira says, I would like to congratulate Father O'Donovan, a minister of the cathedral, on the decision not to go ahead with confirmations and communions, putting the safety of the vulnerable ahead of pomp and ceremony. I, I, has the bishop said that they're not to go ahead or did Father O'Donovan just make a, a decision uh, on his own bat, which he's entitled to do as administrator, of course, because there's a lot of confirmations and communions due to come up in the month of September and on what's going to happen with them. I, I don't think anybody knows. A lot of on some of the weekend has got one of both, one of each coming up, and they don't know what's happening. Is the answer? They haven't heard from the school, they haven't heard from the priests, they haven't heard from the churches. At the moment, they think it's going ahead, but they don't know. Uh, so a bit of clarity would be appreciated. On the litter, Finn was on Washington Street at quarter to six this morning with a party in full swing up on the steps of the courthouse. It was like the aftermath of a bomb. We've got some pits, pictures on our Twitter at Opinion Line 96, and they're fairly rough. That's, that's the street down by the side of Reardon's, I think, isn't it? The courthouse, first courthouse steps, looks it looks like the aftermath of a bomb explosion. And, yeah, down there by the side of, of Chambers, like, that's just manky. Oh, no, that's not that. That's opposite St. France. That's manky. That's awful. Just next to, next to the courthouse. That's in an awful state at at quarter to six this morning. Desperate state. And as, as I said to you, out by the Queen's Old Castle, that bench or that stone bench outside, the pile of junk around it was just awful. And look, you just know and trust that the, the lads in the cleansing department would have sorted it out. But they shouldn't have, their work shouldn't be made that hard 
From them, or for them, right, 1857 Afghanistan continues to be very high up on the news agenda. And we know that there are not a huge number, but quite a number of Irish people there. And we're trying to get them out, get them out and get them to safety. As unfortunately, Afghanistan goes into what can only be described as a tragic meltdown. Now that the Taliban have seized power and we've all seen the pictures and we've all watched the news videos and we've all heard the heartbreaking accounts of people from Afghanistan who are living here in Cork so worried and so concerned for their families back home, particularly for their sisters and their mothers. You know, any girls and women and girls in Afghanistan, they're desperately worried for their safety. Over the weekend, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, uh, Simon Coveney, gave a press conference a press briefing here in town and I have a few questions that were put to the Minister with regard to the Afghanistan situation and first of all, Minister Coveney was asked about the present situation with regard to Irish people in Afghanistan On Afghanistan, uh, we managed to work with a a, um, a a German plane to get three citizens on, but of course we're, we're working with our French and British and other counterparts as well uh, and that's ongoing. Um, you know, it is, uh, it is not easy to get people out of Kabul right now. Um, there's the airport itself and obviously securing places on planes, but actually getting into the airport from outside of that cornered off area now uh, is not easy. Uh, there are big crowds there. Uh, and so getting through the sort of military managed uh, security fence around the airport is not straightforward. And we're looking at ways in which we can uh, make it easier for Irish citizens to, to get into the airport complex, uh, but of course are keeping close contact with them all the time through our embassy in Abu Dhabi, who've been doing a fantastic job, but also speaking directly to, uh, to others in the airport who are responsible for security there. The minister was asked how long it might take to get all of the Irish that want to come out to get them out. And obviously he was asked, was he personally fearful for their safety? Well, look, I mean, the reason why people want to leave Kabul and Afghanistan as a country right now is that they are fearful for the future and their own safety. Uh, there are some people who, are, who are, of course, are more vulnerable than others. Uh, people who would have worked with, uh, with NATO or with the EU or the US uh, or certain NGOs obviously advocating for, um, for women's rights and, uh, and so on. And in some cases, journalists too. Uh, people who feel that uh, that they are vulnerable uh, to a, a Taliban-ruled Afghanistan. And that's why so many people want to leave. So far, 18,000 people have left. Um, so we want to make sure that Irish people who feel in any way vulnerable can get out as well. And we will keep working on that until everybody is out. Uh, it will take a few more days, in my view, but I think it would be naive of me to start giving specific deadlines. We'll do it as quickly as we can and as safely as we can and we have lots of partners that we're working with, all of whom are being helpful. Minister Coveney was also asked to describe uh, the Irish in Afghanistan. What nat- what's the nature of, of their work? What do they do? Who are they? Why are they there? Most Irish citizens who are in Afghanistan are working with NGOs or for international organisations. Uh, most of them. Uh, and some of them have dependents with them as well. Some of them are dual nationals. Um, and for, for, for dual nationals that may look like they're Afga- Afghan, it's, it's in some ways even more difficult for them to get past some of the security checks on the way to the airport. Um, so 
Um, but we have a responsibility to all Irish citizens, whether they're dual citizens or not, doesn't matter to me. Um, if, if they're Irish citizens, we have a job to protect them, and we will, and we'll get them home to Ireland as soon as we can. Now, in terms of refugees, we, we know already that Ireland will take some and that they will be brought in and allowed to bypass the direct provision system and they will be granted papers uh, quickly and without fuss. Uh, the numbers that will, that, will, that will be done for are quite small. Um, we could take more. The Taoiseach has suggested we might take more. hasn't said when. Uh, and that question was put also to Minister Simon Coveney. Oh, well, I mean, I've said that too. I mean, I'd like us to do more, but, but I want us to do it in a structured way. You know, so, you know, we obviously have to try to increase capacity to be able to, to bring more people here. And there are ways in which capacity can increase. I mean, for example, you know, there is a structure at the moment uh, as part of the refugee settlement program that if people want to, to accommodate uh, a refugee in their homes, in their families, they can do that. And so if, if families want to, uh, to contact the Refugee Council, um, they, can, um, they can make space available. But also the state, of course, has the primary responsibility here uh, in terms of ensuring that anybody who we uh, bring to Ireland as a refugee is properly looked after. Uh, and, uh, and that's why we have so far announced a relatively small number of people, uh, effectively 200. So it's, you know, 45 so far uh, in terms of people that, that, that had been working with EU institutions in Kabul uh, have already been given uh, uh, waivers to come to Ireland and then on top of that another 150. So about 200 people effectively we hope will be able to come to Ireland. Some of them can't get out of Afghanistan yet but when they do uh, they'll be able to come here. Um, but we may go beyond that and, um, but we just want to do that in a structured and planned way otherwise you and many others will be asking me where will they be accommodated, how will that work uh, is it direct provision or not uh, as it happens it's not because people who go to direct provision are people whose asylum applications are being assessed people who are refugees coming from Afghanistan are not having their asylum application assessed they are being brought to Ireland and will be able to stay here permanently because they are refugees. So there are different accommodation structures uh, for, uh, for different people. Um, and so far we've committed to just under 200. Uh, we'd like to do more, but we have to do that in a way that's structured. It'll be an offer that we'll make. And I mean, we're one of the very few countries in the European Union that's offered any specific numbers, by the way. But I, I mean, I think we would be wrong to try to get into a sort of a numbers auction here. Um, there are millions of people in Afghanistan who feel vulnerable today. This is a country of 38 million people. It's a large country with big cities and very large rural areas. Um, and half its population are women, many of whom uh, have been educated and particularly young women have been growing up for the last 20 years in a country that was changing for the better. Uh, in terms of women's rights, in terms of hopes and aspirations for democracy and opportunity in the future. And, um, and literally millions of them are now wondering what the future holds for them and their daughters. Uh, and so, you know, whether it's 150 or whether it's 250 or 500 or 1,000 refugees in Ireland, it's still only going to be the tip of the iceberg. Uh, and so Ireland has to work diplomatically, internationally, uh, within the EU and within the UN Security Council, which we will take the presidency of and the chair of in 10 days' time, uh, we will have to use all the levers that we have available to us uh, to try to ensure that life in Afghanistan uh, is 
um, protected as much as we can influence. Uh, in other words, we, we have to try to put as much pressure on the Taliban leadership as possible to abide by international law, to respect women's rights and indeed many other rights as well. Um, they have given some indication that they are willing to listen, although most people, myself included, would be very skeptical that that's merely propaganda to try to get recognition. Uh, but the international community has to try to hold the Taliban leadership to account, just like we have to hold other uh, leaders to account in other countries that may threaten to breach international law. That's how we protect as many people as we can. But there are many vulnerable people. The 150 that we have already effectively signed off on in terms of names are people who have been working with NGOs uh, who, for good reason, feel that they may well be at risk if they stay in Afghanistan. And so that's why we're taking out people most at risk but there are many more than 150. Um, but Ireland needs to be generous and we'll do what we can. Because all this is happening at a time when Ireland is on the UN Security Council. Remember, we, we won that seat there a while back and Ireland sits on the Security Council at the moment. So just finally, in this little summary of the press briefing, uh, Simon Colvin, Minister of Foreign Affairs, was asked how Ireland can show example at UN Security Council level. One of the ways in which Ireland can show leadership is to lead by example. You know, if you're a small country, you don't win the argument by having arm wrestles with superpowers like China and Russia and the US. You win, but you, you change things by winning the argument through persuasion, by leading by example. Um, and that's what Ireland has tried to do on the Security Council. You know, we've done that on Ethiopia. Um, we have been the country that has really been shining a spotlight on the violence and the atrocities that have been taking place in Tigray. And now we're heavily involved in, in also working with other countries to try to prevent civil war there. Um, we have been very vocal on the Middle East peace process uh, in terms of the, the relationship between Israel and, and Palestine. Uh, I've been very vocal uh, on that. Um, and we will be vocal on this too. But, you know, it, when you're a country that is as small as Ireland around a table that is as impactful as the Security Council, you know, you need to uh, understand how a small country can change the approach of much larger country. The way you do this is not announce a hugely generous offer and then find that you can't follow through on that. Um, so what we're doing now is we're looking at, at how many we can accommodate and we, I think we will push the boat out on that. Uh, in terms of doing as much as we possibly can for the reasons you outlined, to show that the decisions of small countries matter too, that, that we want to lead by example, that Ireland wants to show generosity internationally to a country that, by the way, we do have some experience in. I mean, we're obviously not like the UK or the US or many other NATO partners uh, in terms of the number of troops that they've had in Afghanistan in recent years, but we did actually have... Um, Irish Defence Force personnel in Afghanistan um, specifically focusing on uh, removing landmines and uh, munitions where we have real expertise. So we have had a, a part to play in recent years to try to protect civilians. Uh, Ireland's reputation in the UN is built on uh, our approach towards humanitarian support um, uh, of people in vulnerable situations, whether that's in Africa, whether it's across the Middle East or indeed in other parts of the world. And we will be vocal, I can assure you. We are, we are already vocal on Afghanistan in the Security Council and we will be even more vocal when we're sitting in the chair. Okay, that's just a few clips from a press briefing 
the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney, was giving there at the weekend with regard to Afghanistan. And as he said, Ireland will be taking the chair of the UN Security Council in the next week or two. It'll be interesting to see what happens then. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Let me show you what it's all about. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Want to win big in the afternoon? Oh, brilliant. Thanks a million, Simon. <laughs> Join me. I'm always good for a giveaway. Absolutely brilliant. Thanks so much. Giving you all your favourite tunes right across the day And sure we'll have you on the air for a bit of a chat as well I've had it's kind of one eye on it I, Like I've been half what herself oh, is on. on it You're watching every second oh, ah, now, Simon, come I, on The soccer or Love Island on TV last night for you? Oh, soccer, definitely, 100% You spoofed me <laughs> No, I'm not, no, no Thanks very much, love of the show Thank you Let me show you what it's all about Send me Simon Murdoch Midday to 4pm With McCarthy's House and Home At Douglas Court and Ballancolic Shopping Centres All of great deals on all your interior decor On Cork's 96 FM 0833969696 On Cork's 96 FM Yeah, as I expected A bit of a response to the pictures Thanks to Finn for sending in the pictures Of what it was like in the city centre At a quarter to six And as I said, seven o'clock I was driving along Grand Parade Past the fountain, which around the fountain was knee deep in junk and dirt and filth, and then down Dawn Square again, ankle deep in stuff like vomit, a pool of vomit um, in the middle of Dawn Square at seven o'clock in the morning. It's 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 just not good enough. Peter says there's no civic pride whatsoever. Nico says you should have seen the crowds. You'd have sworn Cork had won from what was going on. The Gardaí had their hands full, and as Mag said, well done to them for keeping control of it. Uh, Councillor Dan Boyle said it's horrible to see a huge lack of cop on from people. Uh, Finn, again, was on Washington Street, like the aftermath of a bomb. We've got the pictures on Twitter there. 1850 There is a trend at the moment on TikTok, and it's a strange trend. Uh, it's, it's, it's like trauma videos. Uh, people talking about their own behaviour that they see as and realise is dysfunctional and and they don't know why or maybe they do and they're sharing videos and this has become huge on TikTok here's, here's, two, here's two in particular just, just as examples here's the first one tell me you're a child of trauma without telling me you're a child of trauma I'll go first neutral faces look like angry faces to me in fact any face that does not look overtly happy looks overtly angry displeased or upset and i assume i'm the cause of it yeah that's just a short one this is slightly longer signs that you've been through childhood trauma and didn't even know childhood trauma isn't just being in an abusive household being in a car accident or having a parent pass trauma can result from feeling unseen unheard not having your emotional or physical needs met it can be a ton of things one you've been called an old soul from a young age while i do believe in past lives and old souls oftentimes acting wise beyond our years is because of the fact that we've had to play the role of the adult when we were really just a child two you're a people pleaser people pleasing stems from the belief 
that being yourself isn't enough to receive love. You have chronic anxiety and or depression. Even in groups of people, you feel lonely and isolated. You have trouble trusting others, and most importantly, you have a lot of trouble trusting yourself. You procrastinate a lot, and this also has to do with procrastinating dealing with your feelings. Feelings of numbness, feeling like you're not allowed to experience bad emotions, or projecting bad emotions onto others. Dr. Sharon Lambert is at the Department of Applied Psychology at UCC, specialising in adverse childhood experiences. In other words, childhood trauma. Sharon, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. It's an interesting trend. People really opening up on what's the most popular platform in the world at the moment. It is, I suppose, we've seen an increase in the interest in trauma for the last 10 years, particularly in community-based settings. So people who work with individuals who are having a really tough time, like people experiencing homelessness. So I think what has happened, actually, is that a lot of what's been discussed are things that was well known in psychology, but perhaps wasn't communicated in a way that that everybody could understand, you know. Mm. So we always talked about you know, risk and protective factors and risk factors are, you know, some of those factors that might be traumatic for children. And what has happened is that people have started communicating that information in a different way now and it resonates a lot with people. You know, there's a lot of people who might be struggling and they say, God, that helps me make sense of of my experiences. Similar really to, I suppose, in relation to people who um, might be on the autistic spectrum disorder. So, you know, 10 years ago when we started talking much more about um, autism, a lot of adults got diagnosed um, mm-hmm. with autism, you know, and they'd say, God, you know, that really helped me make sense of my experiences. Are people realising more and more these days, Sharon, that the way you are as an adult and the quirks of your personality as an adult, be they positive or negative, are actually much more determined by your childhood experience than we once thought they were? Absolutely. And I suppose the important thing is that we're all biopsychosocial beings. What is that? So, so, so we're biological. So, you know, we have, like, for example, if I have a cold, it can make me feel down. So my, my, my body can actually affect my mood. Um, we're psychological. Um, you know, we are, as human beings, we're deeply impacted by feelings, as we know yesterday after the match. And, um, uh, social then, so our social world around us, so how other people interact with us has an impact on how we develop as well. So so all of those things are connected and, and they, they come with us across the lifespan and our experiences, you know, come travel with us. Some people will have had terrible experiences in childhood that won't have impacted on them as adults, you know, and and then other people will have had um, difficult experiences and, and it, they're still carrying it. So going back to that risk and protective factors, sometimes if there's too much risk at one time, it might be harder to be able to manage the trauma. Whereas if if you've risk balanced with other things in your life, it might be easier for you to get through it. Mm. We're all different. um, And that's the thing with trauma is trauma is subjective. PJ, you and I could experience the same thing. And... Uh, you might be well able to, to, to dust yourself off and, and get on with it, and I might not, you know, so so that's the thing. Mm. And I think as well, in relation to mental health, I suppose uh, me as a psychologist and me as a human being, me as somebody who's, who, who, who experienced mental health myself in the past, sometimes it, it's very medicalised, 
you know, and uh, we become a little bit distant from our own experiences. And I think the important thing about about us, about people, is that we are experts of our own experience. And these types of videos, um, I think, are allowing people to say, well, actually, I recognise that and I'm an expert of my own experience and this helps me make sense of this. Mm-hmm. I suppose one thing I, I want to say is I, I listened to those two clips. There was nothing in those two clips that were were factually incorrect. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you can listen to those things and you might be feeling a little bit down about something and you might click in and you say, right, that's me. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you've trauma. I, I'll give you an example, um, star signs. You know, they're often quite generalised. Right. So, you know, I'm Leo. But you could give me the star signs out of the newspaper tomorrow and, and mix up all of the different ones and you could say here you go Sharon here's the one for Leo and you might have actually given me the one that was in for Gemini and I'll say oh my god oh my, that's totally what's going on for me at the moment yeah. um, sometimes you know if you're feeling a little bit low you might tune into things you're open you to might, suggestion well things can be like those videos that you described there's nothing factually in, or, or that you played there's nothing factually incorrect in them but they're very generalised Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm very mindful of, because um, we're hearing about it a lot, is about disinformation. So TikTok has been brilliant, you know, in lots of ways in terms of the way you can get messages across. Um, but we also have to be really careful that when we come across something, that we then go and check. You know, we go to, uh, you know, a, a reputable website, you know, that, that is grounded in psychology or, or mental health and say, well, okay, what are they saying and how does that fit in with my experience so that we don't actually pathologize ourselves or label ourselves with something that we just say, well, you know, am I having a down day or am I under a lot of pressure because it's a pandemic? Um, uh, and, and then go and, and check that information and check, does it still sit with you and, and does it still fit with mm. you? The worrying thing I think you're saying is that people would begin to self-diagnose and we all do that, PJ. Mm-hmm. I do that, Dr. Google. I have, <laughs> I have a pain in my toe and I go online and next thing I know I have I, I have gout. And we joke about it in, in psychology in terms of when you're studying psychology. I know myself when I'm studying psychology and you go in and they, and they put up a list of different mental health disorders and the symptoms of them. And by the end of the day, you have, you know, 10 of them. Because there's, there's bits, yeah. you know, there's bits in all of them. As human beings, we all have struggles. There is nobody who doesn't have a struggle yeah. at some point. So when we look at these things, and um, there are, are, are parts of these things that that we connect with, we say, right, that bit is me. But actually, the important thing is is the rest of it, you know. And that's why it's it's you know, information is power. I I believe that. So if somebody is listening to those videos and they're saying, this is resonating with me, you know, this is a very informal, general piece of information. You need to go and and check things a little bit further. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, you might recognise what you're hearing or seeing in the video, but the important point is, if you do, don't be looking to TikTok for the answers. Is that what you're saying? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know, um, and the other thing as well is that um, you know, not for people to feel down as well if they they watch that and they say, oh my goodness, I'm traumatised, I'm never going to be right, I'm never going to be able to have a relationship, this is what's wrong with me. I think one of the most important things is that 
you know, that it's useful to have information, but you know, also need to have the solutions. And, and you don't get that from those videos, unfortunately. You know, I, I think a great resource for people actually is, is based here in Cork, which is the Two Norries podcast. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, a, a mixture of people who have lived experience. Many of them have experienced trauma. They'll talk about what their experiences were, what it meant for them, and then how they were able to journey out through that. Um, you know, and, and there are some academics and some psychologists who, who do worry about those videos and say, you know, are there people sitting at home who are diagnosing themselves? So it's about getting that, that, that balance. Um, yeah. my, I did one of the two Nari's podcasts and my experience of doing that was that a lot of people contacted me and said, I have this difficulty in adulthood, you know, for example, addiction. Um, I always thought that I was a bad person, that I was weak, that I was uh, a loser. And when I listened to the Two Nari's podcast, I realized that the experiences that I'd had were actually influencing the decisions that I make now. And I'm not a bad person, actually. And I think when people learn that, they're much more likely to reach out then and get the help that they need. And that's why, you know, actually all of us, um, we need to be really careful about the way that we speak about people who are struggling because we don't know what it's like to yeah. walk in their shoes. And if, we, if we're not careful about the language that we use about people who are struggling, they internalise that and they say, I am, I'm a bad person, mm-hmm. and then they won't get help. So what kind of things should we never say? I mean, the, the things... You know, the things that I hear people, particularly on social media, things that people say about people experiencing addiction or, or people experiencing homelessness, you know, um, you know, just using really derogatory terms about mm-hmm. them. Um, they feel bad about them, I know, bad enough about themselves without you piling yeah. in on top of them. I've, 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 I've worked with hundreds of people um, who are, who are really in their boots, you know, and uh, I can guarantee you nobody is judging them as hard as they're already judging themselves and yes. all they're asking for is for somebody to put the hand out and help them up. And when we use stigmatizing language like junkie or, you know, scumbags or, you know, the, the way in which we describe people who are struggling, um, they already feel that. Um, mm. And we're going to stop them from coming forward for help if we, if we don't have a little bit of kindness, you know, mm-hmm. and try not, and, and just, I cannot imagine what it would be like to walk in, in their shoes, you know. Yeah, it's only a few short years ago, Sharon, that people, and I'm generalising, I know, but didn't talk at all. Now people are much more likely to talk. Each extreme brings its own problems. Yeah, um, I suppose we can go back to the days of of, of shame and silence. No, um, no, no, pe- no, no. Pe- pe- you know, people. People die. What I I mean was, when people are now being so open, and it's great that they are so open, we have to respond accordingly. Yeah. I suppose for me as a psychologist, maybe I'd perceive it differently. I I know sometimes that people say to me, God, I I feel like people are talking about mental health all the time, or, you know, it's a bit over the top. Um, And I I wonder, and I'm going to ask this, I'm actually going to ask a question, is it because people feel uncomfortable hearing it? Um, you know, because I suppose I find it uncomfortable or distressing to hear about other people's distress. But I, as a psychologist, I'm glad that they're saying it out loud. And I wonder for other people, rather than, I, I don't 
feel that there's an extreme in terms of how we're talking about mental health. And I think it, it, particularly at the moment, um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. Um, and, and the research will actually tell you the opposite, PJ, because people are still much more likely if they're having a bad mental health day. People don't ring up their boss and say, my mood is low today. I'm taking it. I need to take a day of sick day. Mm-hmm. I ring up as they say, you know, I, I, I hurt my back uh, pulling weeds in the garden. So, so it feels like, you know, that we've gone to the other extreme. But actually, the research tells us that there is still stigma about mental health, that there is, we still don't, you know, um, tell people. Um, yeah. People are still a little bit slow to reach out. I think there was an article in the Examiner last week um, that said uh, for quite a large number of people um, said that they would be very slow to reach out to get mental health support. So it feels like it, but the research doesn't 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 suggest that we have you know floods of people um, ringing in sick with mental health issues or, yeah. or ringing up looking for for mental health support. Mm. For, for for years, people have said we need to make it as normal as that. As in, if I ring up and I say to my boss, I'm sorry, I, I hurt my back cutting the grass and I've got to go to the doctor today. Uh, it's got to be as normal as actually, do you know what, I really had a really rough weekend mentally and I need to go to the doctor today. They have to be both as normal as the other. Absolutely, they're both health yeah. and they're both connected and your physical health affects your mental health, your mental health affects your, 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 your physical health. So, um, you know, we have to be able to, to discuss that. Mm. Um, I think to summarise on the TikTok stuff then, Sharon, to bring us back to where we started, it's a good thing that people are doing these videos and loads of them are up, are up there. But I think it's a professional, what you said to us, use the resource by all means. But if you think you identify something in yourself, go and seek help. TikTok is, is not a professional support service. You know, it's a very... I'm not the, the demographic either, PJ. For TikTok, I've never, I've never been on TikTok myself. I have seen TikTok videos. They're very clever, mm. and they're 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 fantastic. You know, they seem to be a great way of getting information out. And um, but as you said, um, when you're feeling low, um, when you're and and we have to be all very careful of ourselves at the moment because it is a pandemic. It's been very very difficult. Um, lots of us are will have struggled in the last uh, year and a half and are still struggling, you know. So when you're watching something like that and, and you're feeling a bit low, you might take in, you might attach more to it than, than you would have if you were having a good day. So you need to just double check your information, say, you know, is this? And then make sure that you look for solutions. Um, it's, it's not enough to be told, um you know, you're you're struggling with relationships because you had this particular tra- childhood trauma, and that's that that's not enough on its own. You also need solutions, and there's there's solutions for all of those things. So, so that's why I would recommend things like the the two Nari's podcast, um, mm. peer support networks like Grow and Aware. Um, if you know somebody needs a psychologist, they can go onto the Psychological Society of Ireland website to find a psychologist yeah. um, there. Make sure you always go to somebody who's been recommended. And actually, I want to finish on this, DJ, because this has come up a few times this year. Sometimes people will have in the past gone to see a professional for mental health and they didn't click with them. And they come out and they say, counselling's not for me. And actually, 
what's really important is, say, if I have a chest infection and I go to the doctor, it doesn't matter about the relationship I have with the doctor. I just need to be in there for 10 minutes. I need a prescription for an antibiotic and I need to leave. However, if I'm going in because I have mental health difficulties or I have other difficulties, I have to have a good connection with that person. I have to really like them. It's based on a relationship. Um, and sometimes when people go, they don't click and then they think, oh, rather than recognising that this isn't just the right person for me, they think it's the counselling is the problem and they don't go back. And I said this a couple of times in the last year at talks that I've given and a good few people have come back to me and said, that happened to me. I went, it wasn't the right time to go mm-hmm. or I went and she was really nice, but I just didn't click with her and I thought it was me. Um, so like, you know, people who, who like getting their hair done will, will, will know this, you know, you'll you might have shopped around at four or five different hair salons before you found the right one for you and then that's it. They get you. They, they know exactly what style you need and you, you always go there. Sometimes with mental health, it's not like going to the doctor for a prescription. You might need to shop around. Yeah. You know, give somebody two or three sessions. Mm. If you haven't clicked, um, go to the next person and that's really important because too many people do go and then don't go back. Yes. Um, and, uh, and, and they say, and they say it didn't work for me because they said there was that that particular therapist or counsellor didn't work for you. It doesn't mean the next one won't because you have a better connection with them. Sharon, I'll leave it there for now because we're a bit tight. But thank you very much. That's Dr. Sharon Lambert uh, from the Department of Applied Psychology at UCC, specialising in adverse childhood experience. Loads of videos on TikTok. Watch them. If you identify with them, great. But if you think you need help, TikTok isn't the place. Seek professional advice. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850 715 996. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Bang on, all summer, maybe 10, we- 10 days, maybe two weeks out. He's been making predictions, and as I get closer to time, he's been tightening those predictions, and he's been spot on all the way. He predicted improvement for this week, about two weeks ago, and this is the worst day you're going to have for the next week and a bit, because I'm looking at my favourite weather app, Dark Sky, and it's giving us sunshine, Clear skies for the next week. Tomorrow, 21 degrees. Wednesday, 21 degrees. Thursday, 24 degrees. Friday, 22. Saturday, 21. Sunday, 21. Monday, 23. And then into the following week. Alan has put up his latest graphs this morning saying we're in for 7 to 10 days of nice weather. To end off the summer and autumn starts on the 1st of September. Don't even go there with me. Autumn starts on the 1st of September, so it looks like a lovely back end to the last week of summer. Typical back-to-school weather, of course. Typical back-to-school weather, but great to have it. Great to have it. And that is a definite, as nailed down the next week or so. Lovely weather. 1850 715 996. Lots of stuff still coming in on the match 
Here's a nice message, PJ. There was no loser yesterday. They were all winners just for getting there. That's what the game is all about. From the backroom staff to the teams, the crowds, uh, the banter and the enjoyment. Cork will be back next year and they'll be even stronger. Jim says at this moment, and I like this point and I think Jim is right. At this moment, you could pick the two hurlers that are the best in any county. And for the next three years, that team from all of Ireland probably wouldn't beat Limerick. That's true. It's true. They've taken it to to another level. Anthony. Hello, Anthony. Well done to Limerick. So proud of you. Amazing game over the moon. A brilliant day. And then on WhatsApp, Limerick were so dominant this year. Trashing Tip and then trashing Waterford and finally Cork. The only question is, who are they going to hammer in next year's final? Ah, well, no, we'd be a little more optimistic than that. But they are certainly uh, a force to be reckoned with at the moment. Uh, Listen, some people have no interest whatsoever in the sport. They're more waiting for Love Island tonight. The final is tonight. Uh, one couple will be crowned the winners and they'll get something like £50,000 between them. And that kind of marks the end of summer for a lot of people watching Love Island. I don't know who's going to win it. I don't care. <laughs> with you. But it's big for some people. And then on Afghanistan, Pat says by text, what's happening in Afghanistan will affect us all. There'll be suicide bombings in most European capitals over Christmas and there'll be a glut of heroin. All right, Pat, I, I, yeah, look, I, I, I hope you're wrong. I completely, sincerely hope you're wrong about that. But you're certainly not in the best of chippery form this fine Monday morning. 1850-715-996. There's an event happening over the next while involving ICU doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, hospice staff, Paramedics and Gardaí, they're taking pl- taking part in a cycle of remembrance all the way from Cork University Hospital and other hospitals throughout Ireland and the north right up to the Memorial Gardens in Dublin in September. And it's in memory of the lives lost to COVID uh, uh, over the last uh, 18 months or so. I'm joined on the line by Patrick Singh, um, who is a doctor in CUHICU and Ona Sullivan from Breakthrough Cancer Research. Patrick, I'll start with you. Good morning to you. This is a huge event. And a ver- a w- how many people do you think will take part in it? Good morning. Hi, good, good morning to you, PJ. Um, well, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, we're, we're allowed to have uh, 25 on each route. So there's six routes. The route from Belfast, Sligo, Galway, Limerick, Cork and Waterford. And like you just said there, we're, we're cycling over two days uh, to the Memorial Gardens in Dublin. Um, so we're, we're doing this in, in consultation, obviously, with, with the uh, public health authorities. And uh, we're not allowed to have 200 in the memorial or over 200 in the memorial gardens uh, when we get up there. But I don't think we'd, we'd be near that number. So we'll probably have somewhere, I'd say, between 15 and 20 on most routes because it is quite long cycling. And, and I think it's, it's not for everyone, but it's open to, to all frontline health staff. So we've, we've, we've uh, ICU doctors and nurses and physios and we have people from theatre, from from GPs, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of, of people coming with us. So mm-hmm. happening on the 2nd and 3rd of September. And uh, I hope it's, it's uh, you know, would, would be a successful event. And like you said, it's a memorial event to really recognise, um, you know, over 7,300 and something people who very tragically died in this small country of ours you know, over the past 18 months from, from COVID-related illnesses. Yeah. yeah. 
like like you said, it's a colossal number of people, and and it's only right that we should remember them with an event like this. Stay there for a second, Patrick. I'll bring in Ona Sullivan. Um, one of the beneficiaries of this will be Breakthrough Cancer Research. Owen, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Uh, on the subject of, of cancer, I mean, apart from the difficulties caused by the pandemic for everybody, it's been an awful hard time for, for the cancer patient as well. Have you been affected by it? Yeah, I think, look, I suppose uh, everyone in, in our society has been impacted in, in some shape or form over the past 18 months. And uh, unfortunately for cancer patients, what we're seeing is that there's been a, a, a huge disruption to cancer services generally between the cancellation of clinical trials, of screening services, of uh, cancellations and disruption to treatments and surgeries. Um, and unfortunately, that's going to lead to... Um, I suppose quite uh, an increase in late late presentation cancer diagnosis. Uh, even the the cancer research that we would fund the breakthrough cancer research has been hugely impacted in that the, the lots of the scientists have been locked out of laboratories for months on end and are trying to catch up now as well. So you know events like this are hugely important to uh, charities like ourselves who are trying to fund research to help bring about new treatments for cancer patients who need the most. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, any any effort to raise a few quid is very, uh, very, very valuable at a, at a time like this. Come back to me there, Patrick, for a moment. When you get to Dublin, the description of the event is, is quite beautiful. 7,000 white roses. When's that going to happen? Yeah, well, what we've very kindly from, from Jerry uh, Donoghue in the OPW um, has given us permission to, to uh, go to the the gardens. I mean, I have to say, I, I lived in Dublin. I'm from Cork. I lived in Dublin for many years. I, I must confess, I, I didn't go down to the gardens. I didn't really. I knew they were there, but but uh, so when we decided uh, on having this event, um, I did go down there, and and sort of a lot of things kind of fell in place. Firstly, they're, they're stunning gardens. Hmm. Uh, they're on the river, just up from Houston Station, across from the Phoenix Park. I mean, they are the War Memorial Gardens, so they are sort of for the whole of the country, north and south. Um, and they are also uh, rose gardens, which I, which I didn't know. So we've we've had a lot of consultation with the, the OPW and with Dublin City Council. And what we're going to do is we're going to stand 7,300 and we'll have the exact number, very sadly, whatever that number will be on, on the Friday the 3rd of September in the evening. Um, so around about 6 o'clock in the evening, uh, we'll have a small ceremony that hasn't been exactly worked out you know what we're going to say or do there but there will be a small ceremony and um we'll have a moment or a minute of, of silence um and the, the roses will be will be lined up um just down from the steps near the small little coliseum going down towards the river so i think you know i, I think it'll be very evocative i think it would be it'll it'll be very emotional for for for, for everyone for yeah. for the, the 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 staff that are there or yes the, the, their workers, I think you know for, for the public. I mean, it, you know, it, this has been a um, you know. I mean, I've never seen anything like it, this type of a pandemic. And I think you know, you, you quote these numbers in in the newspapers, and we hear Tony Hula and, and various other people saying it. But you know, when you see that number, you know, we're not a very big country. When we see that number of, of roses put out, I mean, we all know what they're symbolising. I think it would be a very powerful um, mm. moment for all of us. And, you know, I mean, we're hoping then that, that, you know, the following day, 
they'll stay there uh, overnight. And we're hoping then the following day that the you know the public, you know, who maybe have been touched by uh, the pandemic, them and or their families, you know, will come then and maybe see it, and, and then then they can take a rose or, or a few roses or whatever. And if they want to make a donation, they can. They don't have to. There's, there's no obligation there. You know, like like Owen has said, you know, it is a it is a fundraiser for breakthrough cancer, which was you know hugely affected cancer management, but also, you know, the mental health of of, of the whole country and including the healthcare staff um, and also the elderly. So alone and aware, both the, in the north and the south, are are benefiting from this. So I think we 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 have uh, got charities we feel that are appropriate, you know, for this. When we did the cycle last year, I think uh, um, you or, or one of your colleagues interviewed me. I mean, at that time, it was more, you know, we weren't that comfortable with, with being labeled, I don't know the right word, as heroes. Or, you know, there was a, the, the general public, although we were very grateful for, for, mm-hmm. for how they treated us. Just, you know, we were essentially, I certainly felt we were kind of doing our jobs. That's what we were trained for. That's, you know, that, how the, the country had paid for a lot of our education to do this. And so this is what we did. And, Yes, it was kind of remarkable times, but I think we were trying to change the focus really back onto, you know, the people, yeah. you know, I did. I mean, many of my colleagues, we saw a lot of suffering, a lot of tragedy yeah. and a lot of loneliness too. Yeah. So that's the kind of whole theme of it all. I think every one of those white roses, uh, Patrick, represents a traumatized family. And, and yeah. that is the, the message here. And they've never, you know what, PJ, I think, you know, I've been to some funerals and I've been to something. I mean, it, it's been a very bizarre time and that we haven't really been able to to give people the appropriate, um, you know, when they've died, you know, appropriate funerals, respects that we do very well in Ireland. And um, a lot of families, there's still a huge amount of grief out there. I'm not saying that what, what we're doing here is going to change that, but and I think it might give people in the nation uh, a moment of reflection and a moment maybe of help, of, of consolation. I mean, uh, that's... It, it sounds doing. like a beautiful event. I think the photographs and hopefully there'll be some video too. It's, it sounds like a remarkable yeah. event uh, mm. in, in the, the guys. Can I ask you briefly, Patrick, just to put your, mm. your, your, your stethoscope back on for a moment and, and talk about the current situation briefly yeah. and as much as you can yeah. tell me. Are you concerned at this moment here on the 23rd of August as to where we're headed numbers-wise and sickness-wise in, in the hospitals? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I am concerned is the answer to that. And um, But I think that, uh, in fairness to the public health authorities, you know, I know it's been a very difficult time and the restrictions that have been imposed on the country have been difficult for everyone, you know, including myself, you know, for... for but I do think that they, you know, they have done by and large, uh, you know, a, a very good job. I think we are entering into somewhat of a, of a fourth wave now. I mean, just you know, the ICU admission. I think we're we're up to 59, you know, at the moment in the country. We we have a some. I'm not going to kind of go into the details here. What we have here in Cork, because I don't think that's appropriate. But we have some admissions here, and um, you know, there have been some, you know, mortalities. Uh, but, I mean, I think at the same time, I think, you know, we have to think of the other side. And, yeah. you know, I've been speaking with Dr. John Cuddy, that's right, I think he's from Cork, who works in the, the Health Protection um, Surveillance Centre about, you know, having permission to do this because, it is, you know, it's a public event too and, you know, we have to be very careful and, um, we, you know, all the ICU doctors and, and we're all discussing, you know, a- about it. But 
I think, you know, we have to be aware, too, of the, apart from the, the, the illnesses and the disease and the morbidity the virus itself causes, you know, the restrictions themselves and getting that balance right, the mental health, the exercising and, you know, the other aspects are critically important, you know, getting the children back to school and all that. It's very important, you know, that, that we do that, getting the balance right. And fairs, I do think they probably have, yeah. you know, everyone's got their points of view on that, but I think they probably have. So, um, yes, I am concerned coming back to your... We're, we're in a far better place than we were in January, but you still be worried. You know, vaccination rates are, are, are very high, which is very good. And I think, um, you know, I think that um, ha- has clearly, you know, had a uh, massive effect. I mean, you know, you see what's going on now in Australia and New Zealand and elsewhere where they haven't vaccinated. Mm. You know, I think we can be very thankful that, that, that we are at the rates that, that we are at. Very good. All right, I'll leave it there with you and thank you very much. Uh, that's Patrick Singh, the doctor in the ICU in a CUH, intensive care specialist. Thank you for that. He's the organiser of this event. And Ono Sullivan from Breakthrough Cancer Research who will be one of the beneficiaries of this incredible cross-border event at the Memorial Gardens in Island Bridge in Dublin from the 2nd to 3rd of September. They'll be cycling there from around the country. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Owen. 1850-715-996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Making sure your afternoon in Cork sounds as good as possible. All your favourite tunes, amazing competitions. I'm keeping my eye on all those online trends. And if it's happening, Leeside will tell you about it. Here from 12 on Cork's 96FM. Reminder to you that uh, now that we have some nice sunny weather... Uh, coming for the next 7 to 10 days. We get back out into the garden, maybe heat up the old barbecue and turn on the Back Garden Festival, a Quarks 96 Vems Back Garden Festival streaming online. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. All the festival stars that unfortunately for the second summer in a row we're not getting to hear live. We've got them on the Back Garden Festival. So go to the app and you'll find it there at the bottom of the app or also go to 96fm.ie and there it will be. The Back Garden Festival brought to you by Cork's 96FM. Speaking of music, a lot of unrest last night on social media among musicians and entertainers as to why that big crowd could have been allowed in Croke Park yesterday or the huge crowds around Dublin yesterday of supporters and we had massive crowds here in Cork there was a, an event, there was a big, a big screen down there by the marina a big crowd at that great atmosphere but a lot of people and if someone was there with a guitar or if you put a band in a corner, that event suddenly becomes illegal and you've got to cap it at a couple of hundred people and people are getting very frustrated in the music industry one of them, uh, Roy Buckley um, well-known singer-songwriter here in Cork nominated for a Grammy and brought out a couple of singles during lockdown and a good pal of mine going back a number of years uh, currently working on a new record with, of all people, uh, Phil Coulter um, but more on that maybe later in the week but Roy Buckley was saying at the weekend that he feels that musicians have been completely disregarded and left in, in the dark with regard to when they can actually go back to proper work. He makes the point they were the first to stop working in March of 2020 and through no fault of their own, they'll be the last to be allowed to return to work. And you'll remember last week, the performing arts sector had a protest in Cork and they called on the government to announce its decision on when things like indoor dance classes could resume. And there's a meeting today involving the Minister for Arts, Catherine Martin, and members of the performing arts sector. So in the wake of all of that, I caught up with Roy Buckley over the weekend to talk about his position and the position of others like him. Roy, the last time you did a gig, an actual gig, was in America, where you were starting at, was it a 10-day tour? No, I was going to be there for about um, three or four weeks. I had a few gigs in California. I was going up to Vegas for Paddy's Day and a, and a few gigs around it. Actually, PJ, you know our pals, the Black Donnellys, their movie was coming out. It was being launched on Paddy's Night. So we had a big launch night planned for that. They've since won an Emmy for it. So we couldn't do that. I had a few gigs in Vegas and I was due to travel on to New York. Um, for a few gigs before coming home. Two nights in, in California, mm. Trump goes down to the uh, Rose Garden and says, things are getting out of hand. There was a scramble for everyone. And I had to come home, flew over to San Francisco. Mm. And nothing since, except one or two online nights, and that's it. Well, no, I, I actually have to give credit to um, I've a lot of great followers online. I started doing gigs online which I was calling uh, 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 Roy Buckley's Virtual Irish Pub and I, so I was doing every Wednesday and every Saturday I, I'm still doing them mm. but in recent weeks in, since things have opened up I have I have played a few outdoor gigs but you know it's Ireland PJ you know you can't bank on the weather and mm. things but um, only a couple so you know indoors is where we need to be PJ I think people like yourself and I've talked to Matt McGranigan from the National Organisation and a few more people the level of frustration now 
is, is, is rising? I think it's been rising for a while, PJ. Um, we live in a, in a country where music has been such a huge part of our culture, going back for, for forever. But, um, yeah, it, it's really frustrating. And I'd say the thing that breaks my heart is we all know musicians up and down the country um, who are being really hit with depression and mental health issues and the stress of it all, you know. We just want to get back to work. And, like, we're all for doing it cautiously and safely and everything. We just want to get indoors. The thing is, PJ, how can people go to, you know, the cinema, the gym, to Croke Park and, 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 and roar on a team? Like, you get a taxi, you can have a sing-song in a beer garden, or if you book into a hotel. Surely if all this other stuff is going on, we can't be left in the dark for much longer. Like, we have to be at least given a roadmap. Like, I don't, I'm not throwing stones at anyone because it's great to see things opening up. But every other industry got a roadmap. They got a date to work down to. And, all right, it got shoved back a few weeks here and there. But, you know, at least give us that much that we have a date to work down to. Because, PJ, like... Someone can't click their fingers and say, okay, you're back tomorrow or you're back next week. There's planning involved for gigs and for tours and mm. for everything, you know? It, it takes a bit of planning. It can't just be like... Like, without a date, how does it limit you? Well, I can't go to work. I can't make a future. I, I, I don't know what my plans are going to be, you know? In normal times, you play, what, three, four nights a week, maybe the whole weekend. You can't plan for the next few months, weeks, without a date to work off? Well, how can I? Because they don't know. Like, venues don't know, pubs, theatres, uh, whatever. Like, everyone is in the same boat right now. We can't plan a thing because we don't know what way things are going. It's kind of weak, to, even with outdoor gigs happening in, in we say, even, even pubs around the country right now. Like, they're living week to week because they don't know what way the weather is going to be. We live in Ireland, PJ. You know, we, we don't know how things are going to be. It's very, very difficult. And you're getting support. Like, you want a PUP and people like you, you're still on a PUP. Yeah, we're all on PUP. None of us want to be on PUP. All, all of us were working beforehand. All of us had plans. All of us, like, were able to do your diary for a year and, and, and fill it up with gigs. Like, yeah, the PUP is certainly a help, uh, but... It's the first time in my whole life that I've ever gotten money from the government. I, I never needed it. I've been gigging since I was in school, like, you know. So, yeah, yeah, the POP is there and it is a help. But I feel bad for PJ, you have to consider, um, you know, if the main breadwinner in a household was, um, I don't know, the singer in a wedding band or... They're, they're basically what I'm saying, if the money was coming in through entertainment, and they have a couple of kids, and they have bills, and they have mortgages, and everything. How the hell are those people uh, supposed to make plans? Because like, those stuff still have to be paid for. And you say all this understanding the delicate situation of public health. Absolutely, PJ. I totally understand that we got to do it cautiously and safely. But Jesus, at least leave us get indoors. Like, the main thing is common sense. Like, why can't tables be booked in advance? Why can't... People have sanitizers on, on, on table, wear masks when they're walking around. When other um, activities and industries are going ahead, why, why are we the last? Why, why are we um, being totally left in the dark, left out in the cold? Any other words you want to put on it? You know? Well, there's a document coming, we're told now, on the 31st of August. We'll presumably get another speech from Michal Martin. 
What do you and the many more like you want to see in that? PJ, what I want is a date that we can walk towards. I mean, I think we're entitled to that. We're a year and a half off the road, PJ. Surely we're entitled to a date that we can walk towards. We can get plans together. We know what our living is going to be coming back to us. We can make plans for the future. I mean, PJ, do you think it's fair that, like, every other industry can go back to work? And again, I want to, like, emphasize, I'm not throwing stones at any other industry. I think it's fantastic to see that everyone is getting back. But we thought, as entertainers, that, like, we would be part of that uh, long ago. And we're still not, PJ. We're still not. Do you think that's fair? I think you answer your own question right. Thanks very much. You're more than welcome, PJ. That's Roy Buckley speaking to me at the weekend. Thanks to Dennis, by the way, at the uh, courtyard in Sober Lane for, for letting us have access to a quiet space to do that interview on Saturday evening. Much appreciated. But that's Roy. And that was before the scenes from Dublin yesterday. Um... Where, where we saw that those huge crowds and people were people in the entertainment industry asking a lot of questions last night about their industry in particular. 1850 715 996. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks 96 FM with McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. MIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. Just like everyone else, comedian Reginald D. Hunter hasn't been around for a while, but he's back touring the theatres of Ireland with a brand new show that comes to the Everyman Theatre on February 5th. Access all areas. Cash Returns has been hailed hands down as the greatest and most exciting Johnny Cash and June Carter tribute in Europe. The show comes to Cork Opera House playing all of Johnny Cash's classics on Thursday 16th of September. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96 FM. I'm just looking at the feed from the Irish Times this morning. There, there may be some answers for Roy uh, and uh, the rest of the entertainers by the end of the week because the Cabinet is to meet Friday, according to the Irish Times, and they will finalise a plan with set timelines for the reopening of the arts and for live entertainment, for religious services, indoor sports, workplaces, indoor events, leisure, etc., etc., like bingo halls, arcades, and casinos. So all of the places that people were asking for a date for, it looks like they'll get a date on Friday, or maybe not on Friday, but the when the Taoiseach makes his announcement next week, they will get a date, and that's what they're asking for. Roy, nor anyone like him, isn't asking to be allowed go hell for leather next weekend. They're asking for a date to work towards. According to the Irish Times, cabinet sources are saying there's a strong case to be made for the easing of restrictions, given that some 85% of adults are fully vaccinated, which is a good thing to do. But at the same time, you've got to balance that then with the concern being expressed by Patrick Singh while ago as an intensive care doctor. Things are getting a bit tight in ICU. We've got 59 on ICU beds now up and down the country and 314 patients in hospital, which was an up, a, a jump of 55 on the previous days. So, so the hospital situation is getting a bit more worrying, but at the same time, we're nowhere near where we were in January. 
So on Friday, it looks as if the fact that the vaccination is so advanced will be taken into account. Obviously, Neffet will feed into that meeting and we'll get some dates and some final timelines by the middle of next week. I see where Michal Martin was suggesting over the weekend or sources around him were suggesting that some restrictions might be with us into 2022. That's not something anybody wants to think about, but it's out there and it's on the table. But at least, look, surely we will know more in the next few days. <laughs> on trauma... I mean, we talked to Sharon Lambert earlier on about trauma and the trauma videos on TikTok. Barry Roach was on. Is that that Barry? Uh, Barry Roach was on to say, was PJ subtly trying to assist us hurling fans this morning by talking about trauma? Yeah, I know. I know. It's worth the, the, the bruise. We, we, we lick our wounds a little bit after that hammering yesterday. But as we've been saying since the start, this is a young team, a young rapidly improving team and the state of underage hurling in Cork, well it's in fine order after the under 20s won their All-Ireland and the Winers won their All-Ireland in the last few days. We we have little to fear from the youth of Cork hurling and that's, that's coming through. On vaccines caller says, you and other members of the media I'm just going to read this out for what it's worth you and other members of the media never mention the side effects of the vaccines for COVID. There are undoubtedly side effects. And there are people who experience a lot of discomfort for weeks, possibly longer. And possibly some people are dying. A lot of possibilities in there. I understand PJ is in favour of the vaccine and that a lot of people are. But you should set aside a portion of a morning just for those who've experienced side effects so they can tell their story if you want to be truly impartial. Well, caller... We have discussed side effects repeatedly. We've discussed them statistically with John Campbell. We've discussed them with uh, discussed them with experts like Dr. Beth Brint in, in UCC. We've discussed them with many, many people. What I won't discuss them with is crackpots. And what I won't discuss them with is people on their own agendas. Because they're out there, loads of them. Now, there was some particularly revolting carry-on on social media over the weekend. I'm not going to even name names and give the guy the up, the oxygen of publicity, but some appalling carrying on on social media over the weekend as regards a young lad uh, who died tragically, young lad from County Watford. Um, it, it, it's just appalling what's going on there, uh, and it's being used by by crackpots to drive an agenda. Um, so we talk about him, but we're not going to platform any kind of a crackpot or lunatic. But thank you, caller. 1850-715-996. Some good news. If you watch Karen Coffey's uh, Instagram videos on fighting the inner demon, uh, you'll have seen her announcing the good news recently that uh, she is expecting after her charting her story for, for over a year and, and a good following you do have Karen and they were delighted when they saw your little video recently. Congratulations. Good morning. Thanks very much PJ. Tell me, tell people a little a little bit about the road you've been on to get to this point. Um, I suppose I started after we got married uh, six years ago and we kind of knew that we had a bit of issues so myself and my husband had issues fertility wise so we needed to go and get ICSI done but at that time ICSI is the next step up from IVF Um, so IVF literally the sperm and the eggs go into the dish and they do the work themselves 
with ICSI, the sperm is actually injected into the egg. So it's just a bit more okay. hands-on. High, very high-tech stuff. Yes, yeah. Where'd you have that done? Um, we went to Waterstones in Cork. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So we ended up not doing it six years ago when we got told the news because of financial reasons. We weren't ready. Um, so we started last year um, and we started in September. So we went and we got our, our first round of IVF, which I conceived in December, but unfortunately miscarried about oh. five and a half weeks later. Oh, sorry. Um, so it's been a tough road. I also had another transfer in March, and that um, just failed, so it didn't. It didn't work. So we went back to the drawing board. We had to start all over again. Mm-hmm. So financially, as you can imagine, is a huge burden. Yeah, it's expensive. These these things. It, it is. It is, and especially my business is actually closed due to COVID. Dollface, yeah. 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 So um, sorry. And is there any insurance cover or for for these procedures? As far as I know, I don't have any insurance com- cover, but um, I do know a few people that have insurance um, that might cover a thousand euro, right. maybe twice in their lifetime, but they'd have to have that insurance for two to five years. Right. So it does depend on the on the. Case I suppose, by, cover case, you case have, by case yeah. basis, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so other than that, there's no actual financial help okay. for, gotcha. you know, fertility. So when did you get the good news? So we got the good news, I suppose, I'm eight weeks now, so I got the good news six weeks ago. Um, We had to go and do another round in May, and we decided to do our transfer. Mm. Um, And we got the good news then two weeks later, which was brilliant. Yeah. Now, the, the basis of your issue, isn't it, isn't it that, you know, you have PCOS, PCOS, yes, cystic yeah. ovaries, and that causes all sorts of problems for a person, isn't it? It does, it does. Like, with PCOS, you don't ovulate every month, and that's the main issue. So you need a bit of help that way. And then, unfortunately, my husband has uh, quality issues as well. So we both needed help. We had 50-50. And is it true that when you have PCOS that it affects your weight management and that that in turn can affect your fertility? So it's a whole complex area. A hundred percent, yeah, it does. Now, there is different um, different kinds of PCOS that you have, but like you would have insulin problems with PCOS, so your body's not producing enough and it's just not, it's not work. your body's not working like a normal person. So I've suffered with my weight all my life. I think I came out of the womb heavy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did suffer with my weight all my life and I suppose last year when COVID locked us all down, it gave me a bit of time to lose a bit of weight. Mm. So I got down six stone before September, before I even started. Wow, yeah. 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 Um, and is that that? I I think that probably causes mental problems as well, does it? Yeah, of course it does because you feel like I suppose you have to do so much to get pregnant, and you you kind of I suppose blame yourself sometimes. Yeah, I'd be a very fit and like I was out running all year last year, played basketball, um, 
when I was a teenager, I played football. I'd be a very fit person, but I've always, always a big girl, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm far from lazy. <laughs> so it, it, it can be frustrating, but mm. I think I, I'm old enough now to accept myself the way I am and happy with my outcome at the end of it. And, and did, did that bring anxiety with it then, constantly trying to keep your weight under control and stuff like that? And of course, anxiety doesn't help you conceive either. Yeah, it did cause a lot of anxiety, especially when I started the IVF back in September. I started piling back on the weight with emotions and being hormonal and stepping back from exercising mm-hmm. because I found it hard to concentrate on both areas at the same time. So I did put on a bit of weight since I started, mm-hmm. um, but it's just a journey I'm going to be on for the rest of my life. And yeah. I, I, you know, something that I will have to deal with, but that's yeah. okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. And of course, well, I don't know, is there any cure for PCOS? Is, no? No, unfortunately, there's not really, not yeah. that I would know of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look, at the end of all that hard road, here you are with the good news, the sign on the on the test. Describe yeah. that moment to me, Karen. I found it really hard, PJ, this time, being honest with you, with what happened in December. Yeah. So when I saw those two lines, it was really hard. Um, my father-in-law passed away two weeks before we actually uh, went and done oh, the transfer. I'm very sorry to hear that. So we were always saying, myself and my husband were saying, like, you know, hopefully he'll give us something on his way up, you know? Yeah. Um, so when I got the pregnancy test and we got the positive, we were over the moon, but we were still so hesitant until we got to the first scan. Yes. Um, because that time in December, I missed. So when I got to the first scan, I was actually heavy bleeding, so I was afraid that I was missing again. Yeah. But it was um, a hematoma, so it, it wasn't nothing got to do with the pregnancy. Uh, unfortunately, women can bleed during pregnancy, so that was a very scary two weeks. But we're really kind of letting our hair down the last two weeks Good. to starting enjoying it and actually yeah. really believing that this is our time. And did you find it hard to get information about what was happening? At the um, time, you know, the, all these concerns you had about the bleeding and all this kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, well, no, my clinic is absolutely amazing. I was on the phone to them every day, and they reassured me they can't scan me until six weeks, so oh. they couldn't get me in until then. But I did have HCG bloods, um, and once they double within forty-eight hours, mm-hmm. then the pregnancy is still growing. So I was having them. Um, with the clinic so that I could kind of monitor my anxiety in those two weeks. Yes. So it helped me get to the six-week scan and then it really reassured me in the six-week scan when they like, confirmed that I had a hematoma. Yeah. And um, I think I got about four scans since. So it's I finally believe it. Yeah. You, you have a lot of, looking at your Instagram, you, you have a lot of focus on keeping yourself thinking positively and trying to yeah, motivate yourself to get through every day with a positive thought. Yeah, 100%. I think owning a business, you have to think positive yeah. and you have to believe in yourself that it's going to happen. So I don't believe in, like, I am going to have my negative thoughts and I am going to feel down sometimes. But I believe if you believe in yourself and it is going to happen, it will eventually, yeah. unfortunately. It just doesn't happen when we want it. No. We just have to get up and keep going. And the stress, I suppose, of your business being closed didn't help any of this? 
No, not at all. Um, especially on the financial side of yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, last year I did feel blessed with that time off for myself to reevaluate where I was going with my life. And like, I put off becoming pregnant for many years over my business. Yeah. So it kind of really reevaluated me and what I thought about my business and how it could be taken for me in two minutes. Yeah. Um, that I just put myself first and focused on me and it made me push to go forward with the IVF as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations and here's Thanks hoping so that everything you. works out uh, properly and well for you. Um, can I can I share with you what my favourite um, motivational quote on your Instagram is? Yeah. It's it's here in front of me and I saw it this morning and I threw my head back and laughed and said, I'm going to remember that one. You say that life is just like a willy. <laughs> sometime it's up, sometime it's down, but it won't be hard forever. Karen, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck so with everything. Cheers. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. John says people should remember there were crowds in stadiums right across Europe during the European Championships and it was fine. It wasn't really fine now, John, to be very fair. John Campbell... Uh, the health analyst on YouTube uh, analysed it very, very well. There were upticks in cases uh, and upswings in cases during the Euros. And for example, Scotland had its worst day of new cases since the start of the pandemic. A couple of days or a week or so, whatever, after there'd been a massive match in the Euros. So they brought up cases, they brought up a lot of cases. They were big spreader events, a lot of those matches, unfortunately. Whether Croke Park will turn out to be a spreader event, one sincerely hopes not, but inevitably it looks like it possibly will be. Kevin says there's no excuse left now for not being fully open. Otherwise, what's the point of the vaccine? By the way, the reason we can't open is a simple one. In 18 months, this crowd have done nothing to address hospital capacity. So lay the blame with them, and that's a point that's worth discussing someday that we we don't actually have or if we have it's just a handful of any extra intensive care capacity since the start of this we already have one of the lowest intensive care capacities per head of population in Europe and I don't think it's improved very much not the permanent stuff anyway since this and that's what's worrying them that's what's worrying them 59 people in intensive care doesn't sound like an awful lot of people but if you consider that we only have about 25 beds free in, in intensive care up and down the country now, so can't take too many more of them. Th- there's your problem. We don't have enough ICU capacity, and that's what's bothering them. That's what's worrying them. 1850-715-996. And you have to ask yourself the very valid question, why haven't we got more ICU beds, permanent ICU beds? Why 
has none been created during the pandemic or if they have just a handful of them during the pandemic I'm not talking about temporary ones not about surge capacity not ones you rent in the private hospitals all of which were great ideas but actual new newly minted as it were newly staffed newly funded intensive care beds to bring our numbers up to somewhere near where they should be it's a topic for possibly another day but one we will certainly be bringing up. 1850 Talking last week on the Opinion Line about sleep apnea and the amazing number of people that it can affect. And it can affect not just obviously your sleep, but your whole life. Because if you're if you have sleep apnea, you don't sleep properly. And it, it can affect you in any number of ways. Talking with a sleep expert uh, from UCC about the research into it and who it affects and who how it affects their life. After that show, I think Trevor got in touch. Trevor, you have sleep apnea, yeah? Good morning. Uh, hi, PJ. Yeah, uh, correct, yeah, I have sleep apnea. And what age are you? Um, I'm 30, 38. You'd be kind of young for that then, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I'm fit and healthy as well. Yeah. So. When, when did it start? Um, about two years ago, um, I just kind of used to be waking up just after, after sleeping seven hours. Just still used to wake up tired and kind mm. of pains in my chest and stuff, you know, and just a bit of anxiety and stuff. And I was like, I just didn't know what was going on, you know. I never heard of sleep apnea before that, you know. Yeah. So you, you 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 thought you were sleeping normally, but when you'd wake up, something yeah, was wrong. Kind is that of it? tired, yeah. It'd, it'd kind of get be this kind of sensation as if someone was just sitting down on top of my chest, you know. Right. You know, and um, I got diagnosed with it anyway, and um, which was a bit unusual for my age and and weight and stuff. Usually it affects obese and overweight people. Yeah, 90%. I'm in the little the little percentage bracket that very rare gets it. Like, yeah. And you, you you have it bad, do you? Um, I'm moderate. Um, I'm on the moderate. There's, there's kind of um, severe then as well, but... Um, Moderate now would be 20 times an hour I would have stopped breathing, you know. Oh, okay. Do you know, it sounds okay. very bad, yeah. Do you know, it's like, it does, doesn't it? So, so what What was the trigger that, that said to you, right, Trevor, pick up the phone, see the doctor? What was the trigger for that? Um, Yeah, just like, uh, just being tired in the morning all the time and fatigued. And I, th- I thought it might have been something with my heart or something was wrong or... Mm. And then uh, I got like a sleep test done then and they found out then, about that then, you know. How, uh, how does the sleep test work? Uh, you just have all these devices shot your body and to just monitor all your all your vital organs and your heart and your mm. breathing and uh, you just go to sleep then and then they'll find out then what's going on then when you're asleep, you know. Right. And the stopping breathing, that wasn't enough to wake you up? Uh, no, no, right. no. no. You, you'd kind of wake, but you don't actually know it, you know. Yes. That's that what it's like, you know. Yes. And for how long, you said 20 times an hour, which, like you said, sounds like an awful lot. For how long would you actually stop breathing, do you know? Uh, it could be a minute, maybe. Maybe two minutes, I think. Crikey. You, know, you might just go completely silent, you know, nothing. nothing. And then you, your your brain triggers back down to your body to, oh, yeah. to breathe again. Oh, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That's what's happening then all night, you know, so then you're not getting your rest. That's not people, rest, no. You know? That's not rest. No, no, like, people in the severe category would be 60 times an hour, you know. Good Lord. Which is, uh, like, they would fall... Like, I never got to the point where I was falling asleep during the day or anything like that. Yes. Thank God, you know. Yeah. But um, at night, I would be tired at night, you know, maybe 8 o'clock in the evening I and see. stuff, you know. I see. And but, then, uh, when they discovered that you had it, what's the next step then? Um, they, they 
want they kind of want you to put, go on the CPAP machine, you know, that's the breathing machine. Um, so I got that, which I kind of wasn't happy with because you know you have to wear this machine when you're going to sleep and stuff. And uh, you know, I, I didn't like it, you know. It's like like once once I had that on, I was the episodes went down from to about five five times an hour. Mm. Then you know, mm. um, but I I I didn't like the CPAP machine, so I just went about looking for other alternatives. You right, know? right. Um, so and like you can, get, um, you can get this kind of dental appliance. It's like um, it kind of keeps your jaw from uh, relaxing when you're asleep, you know. And it's all to do with your jaw and your tongue, you know. So all the muscles then, that are all that relaxes when you're asleep, you know. Yes. So the jaw, the, this dental appliance keeps your jaw from moving back, you know, when you're asleep. And okay. uh, that, right. that helped a lot. That's actually, I got the sleep test done with that then. And um, it, it went from 20 down to 5, you know, right. an hour. Which is fantastic, like you know. That, so that is that's fantastic. Fun. That is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like the doctor, it was a doctor in the Mercy. Uh, he said like five times is very good. He says normal people even get five times an hour episode. You know, yes. stop breathing. Yes, so yes. I, so this thing, I'm no longer this... using the machine now, so I'm I'm using that dental appliance all the time now. Yeah, and yeah. like describe it to me. Is it like a brace or something? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like a, the top bit is like a gum shield, you know, and then the bottom bit then has two little hooks. Right. It hooks underneath the top bit, you know, so then that, that stops your um, your jaw then from relaxing when from you're closing, asleep, you know? of course, yeah, because yeah. then when it closes, yeah, yeah that's yeah. when... And this year, I know as well, I, I wanted to get more stuff done, so I went, I got my tonsils out and stuff like that. Right. Just to open up the airway even more again, so that's after helping an awful lot as well. No, so. getting your tonsils out at 38, that's, that's a bit of an ordeal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a dose, I, like. I, Jesus, I, I lost probably... Seven or eight kgs after that, so I couldn't eat properly or anything. Yeah, so I, lo- I lost a lot of weight after the tonsils, but um, it was it was fine. But yeah, I've only ever met a couple of people who had tonsils out as an adult, and they and they'd all tell you, like that it's it's a children's operation. If you have to have it as an adult, it's a much more severe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. You know, um, but so I got that done as well. So there's all the alternatives you could get yeah. besides the machine. You know, like like when I was using the machine, I've. I was getting depressed and stuff using it you know the thought of wearing this thing for the rest of my life you know I would think that the idea that there you are at 37, 38 years of age having to strap this yoke onto your face every every night and thinking is is this my life now yeah yeah yeah, and they come is there a tank with it or something and yeah it's a little yeah and it's a bit noisy then as well and yeah and like uh, when I was using it then I was kind of getting bloated because it's blowing air into you like you know so my stomach was at me over it and stuff like that and yeah like there is a little few side effects to using the machine as well, you know, because it's blowing air into you. Like, you yes, know, which... it is, yeah, it's pumping air into you. Too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I'm reckoning that your lungs are working hard to exhale the, the, could be. the air back could, out again. Could you know? be. I, I only ever know, well, I knew once, God, God rest him, my, my dad was put on it one time um, for a few hours, and, and afterwards when everything settled down, he said it was horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, horrible, yeah. like, you know. Yeah, yeah, I have it sitting in the, in the cupboard now, the machine. I don't, I don't want to see it again. Yeah, yeah, but you've had your tonsils out and you've had this dental appliance. And is that uncomfortable or do you get used to it? Uh, you get used to it. That's, it's, 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 yeah, you get way used to it. Like, it's grand. It's, it's way better than using the machine anyway. Sure, sure. You know, and uh, and like, 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 if you woke up during the night now, as, as I do regularly, wake up I, to the yeah, toilet always, or wake up to want to drink a water one. or something? Yeah, I'd always wake up during the night, always. Yeah. You know, very rarely I wouldn't. Mm. You know, and and yeah. like with that thing in, then c- can you do something as simple as have a drink of water, or do you uh, have to take it out? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You could pop it out just and 
just have a sip of water and put it back in again, you know. Oh, I see. So it's it, yeah. it, it, it all right. I see. So. Yeah, it's it's easy. It's really easy to to to, to put the, the, the dental appliance in, you know. Very good. Very uh, good. Like, uh, but like, there are all the things I went about doing, like you know, because just with the CPAP machine, I was getting depressed, and like, well, there has to be something else to be done that can be done, and there's, yes. there's loads of alternatives there, like you know. Good, good, good. And so uh, you had the the, the 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 tonsils out. Are there other types of surgery that you could get? Um, I think there's some other in the throat I don't know if they can do anything with the tongue I'm not too sure no because mm. it's just tongue like that's mm. the main kind of muscle that really relaxes your tongue uh-huh. you know Yeah. so that's the way the jaw helps because the, the, the tongue is kind of strapped to your jaw in a bit you know so gotcha. but, you gotcha. know um, but yeah there's there's other extreme surgeries you could probably get, but they don't recommend them, you know. So you're down to how many times an hour now? Uh, five. Five times an hour from no, 20. Which is, which is even normal for normal people. Yes. You know? No, I still wake up sometimes a little bit, you know, not great, you know, but I'm, I'm a lot better than mm. what I want. Would, would you have a good night or a bad night, like? Yeah, some nights I might have a bad night's sleep, you know. Um, but they say, like, to sleep on your side then as well is the main thing. Don't yeah. sleep on your back because yeah. gravity obviously pushes everything down. Yeah. So sleep on your side is good. And I got these pillows in that, you, that will stop you from turning, you know. Right. Um, so just know <laughs> I have to go through everything now at this stage. Yeah. To, you, you, you really have worked hard on it to, to yeah, get to, yeah, to, yeah. to where you are. And exercise is good. You know, I go jogging two or three times a week now just to keep exercise up, like, and which is great. It's, it's good for you as well. Like, keep the know. old cardiovascular going, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, right. um, so like there's other stuff, like tongue exercises you can do to straighten your tongue, you know, or even your the throat and your muscles. There's all these things you can do as well to straighten all the muscles, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I just went through everything to be honest. I was obsessed with <laughs> trying you, to. Listen, whatever you whatever you've done for yourself, it's worked, lad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You know, like I have a friend that had it there as well, very, very bad, and he had to get his whole jaw reset. That's how bad he had it, you know. How do you mean? Uh, I don't know. They had to break his jaw and move it forward and, and re, re, re put it back in. You know. Oh god. He, yeah, and that that worked worked for him anyway. You know, but that was really extreme. You know, yeah. so he had to get done. You know. So, yeah, god. yeah. I couldn't believe it when I seen him in the hospital. Well, I was, what happened to you? He says sleep apnea, and he said I had to get my whole jaw reset. So. So that's Crikey. how bad it is for some people, you know. All right. But at least with you, you've got it well and truly under control. Yeah, yeah, Trevor, yeah, thanks yeah. for telling us about it, man. Yeah, no problem. No all problem right. at all. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. That's Trevor Cullinan, a sleep apnea sufferer. Um, at least he's got the dental appliance now and does a few exercises and bits and pieces. But how bad it can get. His buddy had to get the whole... Ah, the thought of it. The thought of it. 1850-715-996. Does anybody know, I love these ones, does anybody know what was going on on Saturday afternoon in the park by the swimming pool in Ballinlock? There was a huge bandstand set up and a fenced-in area around it. Looked like a music gig being set up, says Ger. Ger, it sounds like, it sounds like it was one of those evenings by the Lee, summer evenings by the Lee kind of thing that are on at the moment. They, they opened, they had one in Balancholic Park at the weekend where the White Horse Guitar Club did their gig and there's a few of them. There's one for the Glen Park in a couple of weeks' time. I'm not too sure if there was one being set up in Balanlock Park there. Maybe there was. Maybe we check the list of what's in those events. Lad. That, might, lad, that might be the explanation. If it was set up and fenced in and all that, maybe that's it. 1850s, I think it is actually. 1850 715 996. 
can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Stormzy is getting his own waxwork in Madame Tussauds. Is that like the UK's equivalent of the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Probably will be. For them to actually give you a space you're in the waxwork. You're, you're, you're kind of like, you're important enough that people want to get photographs taken next to a giant candle made out of you. Exactly. <laughs> That's what they should do, put a little wick on the top of each, each waxwork's head and flog it for well, a Well, Joe Wick should definitely get one. Casey <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> Ross in the morning with no DC cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city. A long-standing tradition in Cork. Open 24-7 at milldc.com. Courts 96FM. Yeah, that was indeed one of those uh, magic nights by the Lee gigs in Ballinlock. Uh, John Spillane, a brilliant gig by all accounts, but thanks for that. We got a couple of calls there during the break. Good to answer that one. It wasn't anything. It wasn't anything out of the way. It was very much an organised gig. John Spillane 1850 Reminder to you that Premier League Live is back this Saturday on 96fm.ie with Trevor Welsh and the team powered by TalkSport Big lineup again this weekend Live coverage of Manchester City v Arsenal at half 12 West Ham against Crystal Palace at 3 and Liverpool take on Chelsea at half past 5 all with the Premier League live online and with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership it takes your sport on your terms stream only the games that matter to you most with now and listen to the Premier League live on Course 96FM on the app or 96FM.ie every Saturday afternoon 1850-715-996. Last week, talking uh, to Sarah McKenzie from Monkstown, if I m- remember correctly, about her ambitions for Formula Women motor racing and how that works and how she can get into it and maybe get a drive in the UK. We've got somebody else who is also heavily involved in motorsport in Cork. And we only found out about it after we were talking with Sarah. And that's Kales. Kales, good morning to you. Hi, how are you? How are you? You're just, what age are you, 17? Um, I just turned 18 in June. Well, congratulations on turning 18 in June. And <laughs> y- you want nothing more but to be an actual Formula One driver. Yeah, so I started karting... Um, in 2018, um, I started competing like in championships around Ireland in a local club called Tully Allen. Um, and then from there, I, like I never really, when I started, I never really wanted to compete. I just wanted to, you know, go out there for fun and have a family Sunday, kind of testing around Watergrass Hill Kart Track. And um, I never really had any ambitions in it. But yeah, but was it I, just something you wanted to try? And I mean, then you said to the council, "Hey, I like this." Yeah. <laughs> When I started, I just like I never really had any interest in like competing or anything. It was just kind of like a fun day with the family and stuff, and you know, all that kind of stuff. But then when I got into it, I was like, right, this is something I want to take into a career. <laughs> right, right. So you've been winning karting races around the country, and what's the next step? Yeah, so I um I won a few championships in Ireland already, and then this year I've just moved into the F one thousand single seaters. It's a, a 1,000cc bike engine and it's capable of speed to 150 miles per hour. Um, I've raced around Silverstone 
track, uh, Brands Hatch, many famous tracks around the UK. Wow. Uh, so it's been a really good year this year. <laughs> yeah, this is a little single seat. I have a photograph of you here. You don't so much get into this as put it on. It's it's tiny. Yeah, it, it's really like when you get into the car, you're, you're, you know, you're lying down, you're not sitting up as such. Yeah. So it's when you're hitting them speeds, especially when I was coming down Silverstone Strait, it, it was really scary. What speed were you doing down that straight? Um, I think down Silverstone Strait, I was hitting around 107 miles per, miles per hour. Yay! So, yeah, <laughs> it was really quick. So, you're, now you're, you're going to be entering the championship in Formula 1000 next year, is that right? Yeah, no, so I, I've entered it this year, so I've already raced it. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, I've won a few awards since I've been there. I've won the Best Newcomer Award, so I got a free um, sim day at Silverstone. Um, and I just really, like, you know, trying to get used to the car. It's, it's completely different to carts, you know. It used to be, I used to race automatic carts, and I still do a few races around England and Ireland. Um, but then going to something with a clutch and like it's just so different. <laughs> yeah, and are all the controls they're at your they're at your fingers, aren't they? Um, no, so I, the, I, are there uh, pedals in this thing? No, it's just uh, sequential, so it's one forward, five back. It's right. a gear stick. So. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. So you're in the Formula One Thousand now. You want to go the whole hog and go right up there into Formula One. There's a few years work in that, Kels. Yeah, no, definitely. So this is only the start of car racing. So I have a lot of work to and a lot of hard work to put into, you know, make it where I want to go. Um, the main place I want to aim for is the W Series. It's an all-female grid that runs alongside the F1 weekend um, that has many, many famous uh, female racers okay. in the world in right. the series. Right. And and is that a matter of qualifying and just hard work and qualifying, yeah. climb the ranks? Is that it? Yeah, definitely. So that's why we moved into F1000. It was, the, you know, the the first thing we've seen that would, you know, start off my career in car racing to, you know, make me up the grid to get to there. So Now, people know you from working at Lulu's coffee van out in Bishopstown. <laughs> and the car is parked there from time to time. Actually, our Fiona says her kids love the car. <laughs> I'd love to see the cars out the, the the car out there. Like it's it's talk about a special attraction for Lulu's coffee van. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, it, I'm we're only a family run team, so you know for the funding for the car racing and cars as well, it's really hard. So my dad, you know, he funds most of it, and we try and get sponsors on board as best we can. So I thought, you know, me working in a cafe it might fund a bit of the racing as we go along. So yeah, Lulu is proudly sponsoring me as well um, yeah I, I, I remember Lulu's opening up a damn nice coffee too into the bargain <laughs> there you are there, there you are with your with your helmet by Lulu's so next year now what is next the end of this year and then into next year what does that hold for you Kills? Um, so basically this year I just want to finish my like experience in the F1000 and gain as much as I can till the end of the season um, and then next year well, I don't know what holes. Yeah, if I can get enough, if I can get the budget I need, then hopefully I'll stick to the F one thousand or maybe something more. But right. um, hope, yeah, we'll right. see what it holds anyway. <laughs> it's exciting times. It's it's a yeah. lot. Like from the time three four years ago that you went and got into a cart just to see how it might be. You know, to where yeah, you yeah. are now. It's and you're only you're only you're only starting out. Well, we wish you the best of luck. 
All right. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. And I think you're, you'll be a, an inspiration for a lot of other other young women. I know that, my, look, there's a huge following for this Drive to Survive. I haven't watched it yet. Now, this Drive to Survive show on yeah. Netflix. Uh, who, who knows? You might be on that one day. Yeah, hopefully anyway, and just try and inspire even girls or little boys. Because I driver coach a little girl called Lily Rose, actually. Um, and, you know, just to be her inspiration and bring little girls and little boys into the sport, it's just an amazing feeling. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, you're doing great work for someone who's just turned 18 and really make, make, making your name out there in an exciting sport, motor racing. Kels, thank you very much for being with us, and good luck for the future. Kels Cole, uh, Cork's own Formula 1000 racer and you'll see the car I, I haven't seen the car but I'm going to take a trip out now to Lulu's and have a look you'll see the car out outside Lulu's at the weekends where she works in the coffee shop or the coffee um, cart there 1850-715-996 where are we going uh, oh yeah on sleep apnea Colin says thanks for having Trevor on I stopped breathing 35 times in a minute Ooh. When you wake up, you'll be all swollen, especially around the face, because the brain isn't getting enough oxygen and the fluids aren't draining properly. The frustrating thing is no one seems to list out all the options available to try to relieve it. A lot of it's just asking a lot of questions and hearing about things. Well, you see where the caller where, first of all, they want to put Trevor on this CPAP machine and he realised there's got to be something better than this than putting this thing on and letting it pump me every night. There's got to be a better way. Now he's got the dental appliance and he had his tonsils out and it's it's a lot better for him. It's an awful lot better for him than it was. Uh, he's gone from 20 times an hour stopping to just five times, which is fabulous. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Making sure your afternoon in Cork sounds as good as possible. All your favourite tunes, amazing competitions. I'm keeping my eye on all those online trends. And if it's happening, Leeside will tell you about it. Here from 12 on Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. A couple of weeks ago, we were shocked here at the uh, accident down in Monkstown, which caused the deaths of two people, bus driver Mark and local beloved local priest. And that's what he was, beloved local priest, uh, Father Khan Cronin. We were talking to his neighbours, his friends, local councillors from the area about the shock at the loss of this lovely, lovely man who spent many years of his life working at the missions in Africa before he came back to Cork and he had ministered in that passage area for a Monkstown area for about the last nine years. But he felt like he'd been there forever because such an important part of the place he was. Clodagh, good morning to you. Good morning, Peter. Um, you obviously were one of the people who knew Con very well, and there's still an awful sense of loss in the area. But but you're doing something for charity now. Yeah, so um, Con was always a fan of my music because I played um, most Sundays down at Mass. Um, so when the day of the accident, um, the only way I could wrap my head around it anyway was to write a song. Um, so within the hour after the accident or so, I had a, 
very rough song, I'll say, um, written down and um, put together. And then that night, um, there was a vigil in Passage Rest for him, and, and I played it out there. And and then, you know, like the funeral and the week happened, and I met up with uh, Father Con's family, and um, they asked me to play it as his graveside. So I played the song there, and then I thought, a couple of people t- uh, said to me that, like, maybe I should put it on the CD for the family to have and stuff. So I did that and I posted it off to, down to Bantry to them. And, and then I decided, you know, like, why not make make this a bit bigger? And so I printed off a good few CDs and um, they're now down in the uh, craft shop, Passage Rest Crates, um, for, just for donations. And I was talking to the parish priest, Father Sean, and we said that, the best thing to do with the money is to give it give it to the missionary projects over Nigeria who are right. doing great work in Nigeria at the moment. Yeah. And that's where Khan spent the best part of his life as well. So. Yeah, he was 20-something years out there. And I think it formed a lot of him as, as, as a human being in that when he came back to, to Ireland, he, he saw the need to be kind and be good to people and be there for people. He'd learned an awful lot of it was in him anyway, but he'd learned so much of that in Africa. Yeah, like, I remember there's an interview now on Facebook of him saying that, like, you know, over in Africa, he learned that the church is more about, like, the people's church and, yeah. you know, the church is all about the people and loving your neighbour and all these aspects that he brought back to to us here in, in Cork Harbour and beyond all over the world really he touched everyone and you know like everyone can just say that like he just brought such good mm. goodness to everyone like, Ta- he, talking to people in, the, in, in, in yeah. the days after his tragic passing they said like he didn't care if you never went to mass you know yeah, he didn't no. care whether you you know whether you followed his god or any god or no god once you were in his community you were part of his flock once you could breathe he'd love you yeah yeah. how did you get to know him Claude was it through the music it was true so I played violin with the local church choir when I was younger and so I knew him just from church but like you'd see him you'd see him every day walking through the town like and he'll talk to absolutely everyone and he'd he'd do whatever like he'd like there'd be a couple of nights I'd be in the chipper or something with my friends waiting for a bit of dinner and he'll come on come in and he'll pay for us and like he he was so he was such a nice person yeah yeah yeah. he he was just a a big sweet a huge big sweet gentleman and the the term gentleman is not he was a gentleman yeah he was oh my god I can't the whole town is still in shock and like no one will ever get over it but at the same time I'm kind of at the stage now that I'm just so grateful to even like I've knew him like to know like oh I, I can't even put yeah. into words like he absolutely changed everyone's lives I, I had reason to be in Passage I drove through Passage last week um, I was on my way down actually to the ferry and Passage looks gorgeous at the moment with all the flowers and the plants and the, the hanging baskets and, and everything and it was a lovely sunny day and it was almost unconsciously looking out for Khan. Yeah. It's You'd see like him in the village. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, it was just so 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 sad. But so the C D can be got where? Down in the craft shop, is it? Down in the craft shop in Passage Rest and it'll be in the uh, the Passage Rest post office soon during the week as well. So um so yeah, it'll just be two of them okay. for now, but 
we'll see where it goes. Okay, well, good luck with it. Good luck with it. I know you sent it on to us for technical reasons. We can't seem to get it to, to work for us at our end, but we, we may be able to improve on that. Uh, Cloda Quirk, congratulations on it and a great idea to remember uh, the wonderful um, the wonderful Father Con Cronin a couple of weeks after his sad and tragic and sudden passing. And we must also remember Mark, the bus driver. Um, who passed away on the same day in the same accident. He too had family and friends uh, and we were, our thoughts are with them all. When you mention one, you kind of have to think of the other two. 1850-715-996. Just on that side, I mentioned it to, to Claude there. I, I was driving down, what day was it? Tuesday, Wednesday. One of the nice sunny days last week, sunny afternoons. I happened to be going down to Cove and I was going down to, to Passage to get the ferry. And as I drove through the town, I thought, the place looks gorgeous. It really does look beautiful and colourful and summery. It looks fabulous, so it does. Down, particularly as you drive in there, down by the, the playground, and as you head down there to the Y in the road, there's some fabulous hanging baskets and flower pots. It just looks great. 1850-715-996. And congratulations to anybody who is involved in making Passage look so good. It's just on the communions and confirmations. There might have been a little bit of confusion. Uh, Deputy Thomas Gould was on to us to say the following, just to clarify. Communions scheduled for September 3rd and 4th are cancelled. And the ones scheduled from September 10th onwards are currently on, pending an announcement later this week. A lot of parents were angry this morning, but that's the clarification. So communions due on the 3rd or 4th of September, which is, what, Saturday week. They're cancelled, Friday and Saturday week, and the, the ones scheduled from the 10th onwards are still currently on, pending the announcement from the government. Thanks for that, uh, Deputy Gould. 1850-715-996. Right, we're hoping to talk to this man this morning, early, but uh, he wasn't available, but he is now Lord Mayor, Councillor Colm Kelleher. Disappointed but proud, I think, as, as a hurling fan and a Cork man and, of course, as Lord Mayor. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. And I know you said you were trying to get on to me this morning, but uh, I had a long week. I had a bit of a lion for myself this Good morning. for you. Good for you. You might as well. You might as well. <laughs> um, yeah, look, obviously disappointed, um, you know, um, but very, very proud. Very proud of our team and the display of Hurling they showed us all summer. Uh, proud of all the lads. They played their socks off all year. They gave it their all yesterday. Sadly, it wasn't It, it, it wasn't enough. Mm. Limerick were superb. There's, there's no getting around it, you know. Um, I think they even beat the um, the all-time scoring record of an All-Ireland final. That's right. Um, amazing team to watch. Um, and congratulations to Limerick and congratulations to my counterpart, Mayor, Mayor Butler. Yeah. You were there, obviously, at the game. I was reading a Twitter thread last night um, about it, that uh, a huge fan who'd said, you didn't get it on television, you couldn't get on television the intensity and the ferocity of Limerick. You couldn't get it on television. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Like, they came out, uh, you know, of the traps fairly early, uh, scored a very early goal. We replied, um, and I, I was actually sitting next to Deputy Dodeco Lera, and uh, he turned around to me and he said, this is going to be intense stuff, and unfortunately, it, it just wasn't, you know. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I thought after the first five minutes, the match was sucking diesel, and we, none of us had have hearts left by the end of it, but sure, it wasn't to be. 
It wasn't, wasn't to be. be. And now look, um, it's been a great summer of hurling in Cork. It's been a great summer of sport in Cork. You know, we had uh, success in the twenties. Yeah, we're minor All Ireland champions. We've made it to an All Ireland final. Like if I was speaking to plenty of people in the lead up and the build up to the game, like if they said, you know, a couple of months ago that Cork would be an All Ireland senior hurling final, we would have taken the right hand to get there. Yes. You know, yes. So like these lads, um, you know, they're a young team. They're in transition. Uh, I went down to meet him in the train station yesterday when they came home last night. Um, mm. uh, we came down before him, and uh, looked obviously they were disheartened. Um, but it was a nice photograph actually of you, uh, the, the train coming in, and you were waiting for them. Yeah, yeah, we went down, and no, look, I was I was down there with the young fella, and he said to me when he walked away, he said like he was, look, he was, he was they're a very very young team. There was one thing that struck him, and he's fourteen years old, yeah. is how young the team are. Yeah. So I've no doubt that they will be back, and. On behalf of the city and on behalf of myself, I'm so proud of them. And, you know, uh, we, we, we've nothing to be ashamed of at all at all. And I know in my heart and my soul, there's an All-Ireland in that team yet. Yeah, oh, I have, I have no doubt. And and here's the thing, Lord Mayor, well, it was a marvellous occasion, despite the result, because we had a great day for our great sport. Amazing, amazing. Like, we were, I was in Crow Park yesterday, um, and like I'll be at forty thousand, forty one thousand there, half capacity. The roar in the stadium when the Artane Boys band were leading both teams around the pitch, it was palpable and it was it was surreal to experience something like that, particularly with the last two years that we've put down. Yeah, did you realise in that moment, Colin, how much we've missed it? Oh big time. Big time. I'd lump in my throat. You know? Um it it, it was amazing. Um and everyone else around me said said the same. Um and I think, you know, we're, we're, we're creatures of habit, you know, we, we're a social species, like, and we, we lack that, you know, and um, albeit a pilot project, I know that, uh, you know, the, the, there will be other things looked at, and hopefully, please God, hopefully we can start getting back to some form of uh, a normality. Yeah, yeah. And the other wonder of, of our sport is the way that, and, uh, you know, rivals, rival counties, like Cork and Limerick or Cork and Kenny or Cork and Kerry in the footballer, we can go to a game, have a wonderful day out, and win, lose or draw. We walk in and walk out together. That is the magic, I think. It's something unique that the GA has. You know, you look at other sports, and particularly in soccer across the water, um, the fans have to be segregated, you know. Um, it, can, it can get nasty from time to time. You don't have that in GA. Um, you know, it's like you have husbands and wives supporting different counties, you know, it's and they're sitting next to each other and enjoying the crack of the banter. Uh, like we were sitting, I was sitting behind a Limerick fan. Um, you know, we were having the laugh with him. Mm. Um, it's it's just something unique that's in the GEA. You know, win, lose, or draw, uh, we walk in together and we walk out together, and that's amazing. Yeah, and so, some um, I, there was a cycling commentator years ago was touring the the country just around the time we had the the Tour de France in Ireland, and he went and he sat in a commentary box with the great Miolo Murkety for an afternoon and saw this and the one thing he couldn't get over was hang on you don't seg- you don't segregate the fans everyone was in and out the same gate you go out on the pitch and you tear lumps of each other with bits of wood 
Yeah. And, 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 and win, lose, or draw, the fans afterwards will celebrate together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, something, it's something unique. It's something amazing. It was great to see it back in Croker yesterday. Um, I've no doubt that our team will be back in an All-Ireland final. Um, and I'm only looking forward to, to, to seeing them, you know, lift the Liam McCarthy Cup and bring it back to Lee Said. I'm sorry we couldn't bring it back now. And, uh, you know, the team, yeah. they gave it everything. And PJ, you know, let it not be said that our team was never found wanting this season. They gave us some summer of sport to remember. And we'll always remember that, in particularly when we actually needed it. Yes, yes, they did. They lifted us, the, the, the hurlers and the footballers lifted us this summer when we needed lifting. All of them, all of them, and it won't be forgotten. At, at all grades, the minors and the under-20s, it's, it's easy, unfortunately, you wouldn't want to forget them because we had the old quote the song, two out of three ain't bad, and it wasn't bad at all. Well, maybe you could finish your your your, your segment or your show today by two two out of three. Pat, and <laughs> the Lord Mayor gave you permission. <laughs> Lord Mayor Colum Kelleher, thank you very much for being with us uh, today. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Corks ninety six FM. The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.